I'm Riker, and this is Pilot. This story starts in another world, one that is both like and unlike your own. Here, a human soul takes the physical form of an animal known as a demon. The relationship between human and demon is sacred. The world has been controlled for centuries by the all-powerful Magisterium, except in the wilderness of the north, where witches whisper of a prophecy. A prophecy of a child with a great destiny. During the Great Flood, this child was brought to Oxford, where our story begins. You should have done the voiceover for them. That was so preferable over reading it, can I just say? And that was long. That was lengthy. Yeah, it was It was a full minute and a half to read it. Yeah. It was boring. It's <laughs> a boring really start. You really livened it up. Thank you. <laughs> and honestly, it is... It really gives you a lot of the information in the front, so you can kind of enjoy the whimsy of it. Um, his dark materials being the subject of today's, <laughs> today's discussion. Episode, yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, yeah, I commented, of course, myself on our note cards that um, the prologue established the genre. Yes. In a way that was hmm, prologues are boring, like yeah. written prologues that you have to read. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I've always my whole life hated him. Because when you're a kid, you first see him and you can't read him. You know, you can't keep up. It always pissed me off that Star Wars always opens that way. Um, always pisses me off. Star Wars is a special thing. Star have Wars. somebody read it. You can still have the scrolling marquee. Have someone read it for me, man. Yeah, but I'm who would they have reader. hired? <laughs> it wouldn't have had made any sense for James Earl Jones to do the narration for Star Wars. Yoda couldn't do that? <laughs> I mean, he was. Oh, I guess he'd have to do it in the weird way, like, a yeah. <laughs> long time ago it was. <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away it was. <laughs> um, well, the thing about Star Wars is you don't really need to read it. Like, it really has no impact. Yeah, okay. So it's just the, it's just the thing that establishes. Uh, no, how does that go? That's not the Star Wars theme. No, I can't think of it. <laughs> ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. I have a hard time doing that when I queue. Every time we'd like when we've reviewed a Star Wars thing, it's like nope. Is it na 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 na? Yeah, na 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 na. Oh, see, I should know this one. I I played it on violin. Oh, let me do it with it in my instrument. It's all about the music, is the thing. And the yeah. scrolling marquee okay. just gives you something to do. That's fair. Anyway, we're going the wrong direction. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> uh, let's bring it to a galaxy much closer uh, and less far away in time, except in a parallel universe. Yeah. Uh, which is where this seems to take place. Yeah. So uh, I'm ready to start talking genre with you, but before we do, let's award our couch points to HBO Max in this continuing episode in the continuing saga of the HBO Max showdown. Yeah, and our overall streaming wars since we will be evaluating and comparing the different platforms where we are streaming these days. Hells yeah. So negative 237,000 couch points for me. Okay. Um, but that's metric, so metric. maybe mm-hmm. not as big as it sounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, for the fact that it's impossible, the inconsistency between whether or not you can find the series description on HBO Max is unfathomably unfathomable. Uh, it's just it's it it seems to be not doable at this point. We are not seeing one, so we definitely marked it. You know, for not having any series description in its place i did want to offer the imdb one a young girl is destined to liberate her world from the grip of the magisterium which represses people's ties to magic and their animal spirits known as demons demons spelled d-a-e-m-o-n for some reason yeah i mean it's so it's a british book so i guess that's something to make note of this is based on a trilogy 
uh, written by a UK author. Um, I wrote down the name, but I don't remember it. Philip something rather. Philip K. Dick? No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) Uh, The Golden Compass trilogy, right? Um, So the trilogy is actually... So the Golden Compass is the first novel. His Dark Materials is actually the name of the trilogy. Um, And it's interesting because the first novel, which is... We know it as the Golden Compass. It goes by another name, which is the Northern Lights. Wow. Well, ain't that a tale of fire and ice. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I should probably look up what's his bucket's name really quick. I can't believe I didn't write it down. Oh, Pullman. Philip Pullman. Pum- Phil. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry Time Phil. Was, I just spaced it. That was so my bad. I remember his first name. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down all the novels and all that. So what I was originally looking for when I was compared, like when I was looking this up was when it was written and released uh, compared to Harry Potter, which I felt was very like it was it super reminded me of it. And so I was like, okay, so is this like Harry Potter? Is Harry Potter like this? (laughs) Um, And technically this came two years before the first Harry Potter book. Sorry, The book series came two years before the first harry potter book so this was um you know the golden compass came out in 1995 and harry potter the philosopher's stone came out in 1997 funny enough the philosopher's stone also had an alternate title though i can't remember what it is sorcerer's stone yes that's the one the sorcerer's stone which is the one we know it as (laughs) yeah was it in the uk it was the philosopher's stone yep everywhere else it's well at least in the uk yes it is the philosopher's stone gosh in British is a translation <laughs> between philosopher and sorcerer? I don't think so. Oh, crazy. So I read out the series description from IMDb because, of course, HBO Max did not provide it. And we checked all of the platforms. So I checked the Fire Stick app, which didn't have it, the mobile app, which did not have it, and the desktop app, which does not have it. So... Uh, yeah, it's really it's really pretty frustrating because it used to be you could find it on TV, but you couldn't find it on the iPhone or vice mm-hmm. versa. And now it's like you don't you never know where you're at because you're looking at the episodes, but are you looking at the series? And it just always seems to be hovering on one. Uh, in fact, the oh, in fact, the like thumbnail for the series is the same as the thumbnail for episode one. So the two seem synonymous on the HBO Max app now, and it is confusing. Yeah, especially when your expectations should have either the episode description. For mm-hmm. His Dark Materials. Season 1, Episode 1, Lyra's Jordan. Orphan Lyra Belacqua? Orphan Lyra, last names, world is upended by her long absent uncle's return from the north. I rate that one frozen decapitated head. Oh, shit. Yeah. That many? Yeah. Just the head, though. Oh, good. Just the head. Left the penis in the snow. <laughs> All right, what do we got on genre? You first. I've talked enough. Oh, well, yeah. Um, really quick, I did want to say that uh, the first person that told me about the show was Michelle um, and Katie and Chelsea. They all told me that it was amazing, and I was apprehensive because they're into things like My Little Pony, and I'm just, I'm not always <laughs> into that sort of, so, like, I just know that our tastes are different. Yeah. So I was apprehensive going into this one. Um. And I think Gara and Stella would like this. So Gara, if you're listening, go find this on HBO Max. Get a trial if you don't have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so it's I would say it's young adult fantasy. Um, I mean, that seems pretty clear to me. It's, you know, kind of reminds me of Wrinkle in Time um, meets Harry Potter. And then, you know, you have talking Disney animals. So <laughs> what's not to love? <laughs> uh, I had... Fantasy. I'm agreed. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's right on. Uh, I stress rather than the young adult portion of it. I guess because um, I'm old and fat now. Watching yeah. it and don't feel like you need to be a young adult to watch it. <clears throat> I just felt very self conscious about it the entire time I was watching. Like I was binging it. I've seen the whole whatever's out there right now. Two seasons, I think. And the entire time I'm like, ah, is this for kids? I feel like this is for kids, but I really like it. But is this for kids? Should I not be telling people I'm watching this? It's pretty epic. As, it as far as something goes, it's for kids. It's pretty mm-hmm. epic. So you have that it's a fantasy. Anything fantasy, else on it? 1930s and 40s stylized period piece. 
So it's sort of, mm. it's halfway between worlds, right? Like it's in this fantasy world. Yeah, they talk about London. They talk about Oxford. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're in this um, blimp, this Zeppelin. Airship is what they're calling it, but yes. Which I did a little research on when the Hindenburg disaster was, and that sure. was 1937. They mention a bottle of wine. They say the 38. There's only a couple dozen left of mm. the 38. Yeah. So we're somewhere in the... Uh, fantasy 40s mm-hmm. is what I take from that. Uh, okay. And um, and I think that's unique to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this came on HBO after, mm, what's it called? That really big show with the dragons that everybody loved until now that everybody Game of Thrones. It. Game of Thrones. Yeah, that one. Uh, For a while, it, we talked about it in every one of our episodes. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> to remember the names uh, like the name of the show. <laughs> that was the easiest part. <laughs> when it yeah. drifts from top of mind, <laughs> which is what you want so that we could review the pilot someday when you have an appetite for it again, after you forget how it ended. We will never forget. Probably when the spinoff comes out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we did promise that. So, so, oh, we did already. Oh man. We did promise. I know. I, I shot you dirty looks when you did it. I was just like, why, why would you commit us like that? And then I thought, well, that's going to be forever from now. So, you know, 2020 was quite a big thing <laughs> back in 2020. So. <laughs> All right. I got winked at. <laughs> shoot me dirty looks. I'm going to shoot you some winks. Make you uncomfortable. Um, uh, mission so, accomplished. <laughs> so, so HBO uh, loses their top tiger. Mm-hmm. Their prize fighting chihuahua. Uh, going down with a whimper. which is what's it called game of thrones Mm. game of thrones goes down and i think the whole world uh watches breathlessly as hbo goes out of business and then this comes on shortly thereafter saving its ass yeah and i think god damn hbo's good yeah that's back when they had a shitty app is when i was thinking god damn hbo's good so I've seen this one once. I should clarify that. Just the pilot, though. Just the pilot. Yeah, I saw this episode once. <laughs> uh, that's all we're interested in here. Well, but that's that's why I thought it was funny that you're like, well, now HBO's good. This is good. HBO's good. And I'm like, but you've only seen the pilot. <laughs> oh, you you're know? right. Yeah, it might go the way of um, that other show with the dragons in no time. <laughs> Off the rails. Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> the one with the dragons. The the big, you know, the one, you know, the thing. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> where was I? Oh yeah. Anyway, so this comes out, and I think, man, they make big. Like that was a big show. So I don't want to tip my hand on how I felt about it, but man, what a beautiful world we get introduced to immediately. Um. And I don't remember where I was going with this because I started a long time ago. But I'm impressed. Uh, yeah. Early on, I'm impressed. So kind of as soon as we're introduced to James McAvoy's character mm-hmm. in the helicopter over the flood and he goes to uh, Jordan College. Jordan College. Uh, to uh, deliver this baby to the master. Uh, During the Great Flood. The Great One. Which, by the way, was like the most memorable thing for me. Like, I was just like... I, And it's weird because they don't really touch on it at any point during this episode. Like... They never explain what this flood is and why it's no longer flooded. Oh. I don't know if you've noticed. Uh, I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just, I thought that was weird, so. Because it was quite a thing. I mean, it's quite a flood. It was weird for him to wade, you know, he was wading in at like, you know, yeah. over waist deep water with a, an infant in his hands. The master's opening the door to let him in. Yeah. In waist deep water. The master of Inside. the college, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty notable and, you know. And it was a bizarre entry because I don't you don't necessarily understand at the beginning that it's a is great flood. Other than is that what it is? And they call him master. They say he's the master of the college. But is that kind of headmaster? Basically, it's just a weird word for that. Is that how you're taking that? I don't even read books, Shmi. All right. Yeah, you're asking me about academia. <sighs> uh, yeah, I would say probably. You went to college. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that's not a compliment. That's a statement of fact. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I'm just really playing into the I'm an idiot card for this oh. episode because it's about a book. So thanks okay. for making sure the whole world knew that. Oh, that you're. Averagely edumacated. Edumacated. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, you get him coming in a helicopter 
It's you got the Northern Lights. Yeah. It's you got this epic flood. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's so great about it. At best, I thought it was a pretty good flood, but they think it's great. Um, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, and uh, where do we go from there? So he drops the child off, and immediately it was interesting because he says that he wants to invoke scholastic uh, sanctuary. Um, so we later, you know, we start to learn that it's a very religious oppression that this, uh, what do they call it, the magistrate? The magisterium. Magisterium. There you go. Yeah. That the magisterium is a very religious and oppressive force, and... Um, you know, they get away with a little bit here. You know, they're protected as a college because they're academics. Um, they can study things. Mm-hmm. They have, yeah, they have some exemptions. Yeah, but they still cannot be overtly heretical. <laughs> right. So uh, they are allowed to operate under, what do they, they use the term, um, like freedom, edu- like educational freedom. Yeah, right? educational freedom. Yeah. Uh, just as they're about to burn a guy at the stake for saying something he wasn't supposed to say. Not oh, literally, yeah. but... I missed that. Well, that's when he's asking for the money to oh, study. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, James McAvoy's character... So, when you say burn at the stake, you mean the master trying to poison... I'm actually thinking of the meeting. Okay. No, I just meant that, that they are declaring this is heretical and we cannot even listen to this. We shall leave the room at once. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so yeah. the master does say that. Uh-huh. Okay, so let's give some context, some context. We meet Lyra first, um, hopping around rooftops. Is that kind of the first time we see her? She's racing against... She's the baby, now grown well, yes. into a like nine-year-old kid. Sorry, uh, she's a thi- she's a prop when she's an infant. Right, yeah. <laughs> like animatronic. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, she's running around with her buddy Roger, and they have two critters mm-hmm. following them, and the critters keep transforming. That's their demons. Yeah, um... So one of them is named Pan, and the other one is Cecilia. So Pan is Lyra's, and Cecilia is Roger's. And Roger is some other kid that's yeah. The- he's an orphan, um, and works in the kitchen at the college. It's not cl- like he doesn't seem to be a part of the studies the way Lyra is. Um, yeah. Like he's bringing her breakfast in the morning. I don't see her working anywhere. Nobody invoked classic sanctuary for him. That must be. Sanctuary. Yeah. yeah, I do wonder if you get more explanation in the books on that. I will say I don't feel like, you know, spoilers, I don't feel like that's really covered much oh. because we're not at the college for long. Um, so they run, ar- they run around this, I don't know, what would you say, sarcophagus? Uh, sure. There's a like a underground burial thing that's partly in ruins, probably from the great flood. Yeah. Uh, Roger's spooked by it. Lyra's a lot more adventurous than him. Is it a crypt? Yeah. I don't know. I haven't been dead yet. (laughs) I'm really not that. Whenever those words like, what's a, what's a crypt? What's um, Mm um, you know, another thing like in Buffy, our review of Buffy, it was the, you know, I know that's what I was grasping for. Yeah. I guess I really don't. I'm surprised people know that well. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they're running around. I, I just wanted to bring up that set because there was a tremendous amount of effort that went into that set. Oh, yeah. And I don't, and I realized on my second watch of this, might actually be my third watch, um, <laughs> that I, I hadn't acknowledged yet. I hadn't earmarked. This set seems like it's going to be important for some reason. Okay. Because for the effort that they put into it, it doesn't amount to much in yeah. this episode. Not yet. I would agree. Yeah. So, uh, Uncle Azriel. Yep. Uh, James McAvoy's character. Mm-hmm. Who, James McAvoy is just so good. And charming and handsome. And, mm-hmm. Do you remember him in Wanted? No. Did you see Wanted? I will. It's my next movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in seven to 12 months from now. Yeah. Okay. Next time I watch a movie. Well, he was, I watched one recently, but go on. <laughs> he was such a little nerd, and he was American in that yeah. one. And I feel like not somebody that you'd find attractive for the reasons that you find James McAvoy attractive. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, I I think he's a scene stealer every time I see him. Oh, yeah, I love absolutely. That <laughs> um, so he returns. Uh, she is trying to escape her studies with librarian uh, Charles, mm-hmm. who seems to have a especially soft, soft spot for her. 
um, because he just seems most fatherly toward her. Out of yeah, everybody. very. Like he's the one who spends most time with her. Probably, in the yeah. Studies. She says, "Would you?" When she escapes the uh, her the classroom, mm-hmm. she asks him something about, uh, "Would you read some story that's familiar to her mm-hmm. to me again? That great story again?" Yeah. And he says something to the effect of, "I do not exist to entertain you, Lyra." And she says, please. And he says, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's like clear immediately. And then she pulls one over on him and sneaks out and locks him in the room so that she can go, her and Pan could go run off and uh, go catch up with Uncle Azriel, who's an explorer and a researcher who's who's a pretty rough and tumble guy because he's always living up at the north, studying the northern lights. Yeah. He's uh, slightly heretical is what I've got down for him. Mm. <laughs> slightly. Mm, you heretic, you. Mm. Uh, yeah. She's spying on him through the window of the study that he's in, which is like some chamber where he's going to be having a meeting with the master. Mm-hmm. The master uh, pours some thing in wine. the wine yeah. uh, and presumably to poison Azrael. Her and Pan catch this uh, when the... Master leaves. Azrael comes back. She jumps through the window, knocks it out of his hand. He almost beats her up. Yeah, he didn't realize it was her. And then he's just like, what are you doing here? Yeah, and he's pretty quick to... Pretty happy trigger finger. So yeah. He's, so he's uh, he's seen some shit. Oh, yeah, definitely. That was evident. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, he's... Like, you get the sense that he she's important to him, that he cares for her, mm-hmm. but he's not caring toward her. Yeah, he's, he's kind of cold towards her. He's very cold to her. Well, the North is a cold place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and later we see, you know, when he carries her into her bedroom that she saved postcards and all that. Like, every contact he sent, she's hanging on by the threat. So he knows, like, how much it means to her to have that connection. Yeah. And she had even remarked, like, hey, I've been waiting for you for over a year now. Yeah. So he's definitely uh, neglects her a lot as seemingly her only familial relationship um you know he later tells us that her or she says that her parents were um killed in an airship accident which sounds brutal by the way Mm -hmm. yeah uh when she says when he's leaving again Mm -hmm. to go to the north Mm -hmm. and he says i don't have time for you Um, exactly that too that's not paraphrasing (laughs) well and it was also it was there was no softness in it but i got the Mm-mm. sense that it was just, look here's the cold hard truth like yeah. i care about you but i do not have time for you like yeah. i have things on my mind that are much bigger than this um and and you're just a little girl with a with a hero uh and that's me and yeah. I ain't nobody's hero kid i got work to do and it's significantly important so uh, her parents are dead Died in some tragic accident, which obviously, I would say obviously, there's going to be more information about later. Okay. She's asking, Do you, are you leaving in the same airship that my parents died in? He said, no, that one was smaller. So there it even feels like he's protecting her a little bit. Because he yeah. knows. He knows that they were killed because they were heretics. Okay. I mean, okay. I mean, obvi. Obvi, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we're at the point where they're trying to murder him, where he's trying to be assassinated. Uh, and... He's having a conversation with her saying, hmm, I wonder why the master would want to kill me specifically. And he he knocks over the rest of the wine to make it seem like it was an accident. Not Mm -hmm. just that he didn't die from drinking that wine. Yeah. He's a rough and tumble nomadic man of the north, so he's obviously a big drinker. Um, And uh, and that line, and that very honest dialogue between the two of them, uh, that... Yeah, I don't know why he wants me dead exactly. That'll be interesting to find out. She said, you just destroyed the evidence? He goes, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> that was clumsy, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> and she's in on it. Like, mm-hmm. they clearly have a good rapport, um, despite the coldness. But, you know, she wants to be an explorer, too. I meant to mention that. Um, so she clearly aspires to be like him. This is why she's bored in her studies, because she's made for a little bit more adventure than she has. Um, anyway... The uh, he says, uh, I would want to kill me too. I'd probably be pretty afraid of me. That's what it was. I'd probably be pretty afraid of me too. So yeah, uh, he's he's uh, tap dancing on the wild side. Oh yeah. So after she tells him um, about you know the poisoning and they have this conversation, he says, you know, go ahead and hang out in the cupboards and spy. I need you to spy on him for me. Um, and then he she continues as. 
um, he presents kind of what he came to the college for, which is kind of a presentation to try to get funding uh, to go, you know, continue this expedition. Um, Specifically, mm -hmm. that's what it was. So exactly. he, he has a presentation to give via photogram. Mm -hmm. um, and we find out during this meeting, which all of the, I don't know, the elders of the college, whatever that's called. The scholars um, is just what they referred to him as. Perfect. All of the scholars are there for, for the presentation. Uh, and he, he mentions early on, mind you, a couple hours seem to have gone by now. Now it's evening time. She's still in the cupboard and has been there all night. Find out later she's missed dinner uh, yeah. through this experience. But she's a rough and tumble little adventurer, so she's kind of excited about it. Uh, he gives the presentation and he mentions dust. And everybody gets weird when he mentions dust. Mm -hmm. And then he says, look at this picture where the, uh, where the northern lights are. Uh, and look at what we see here in the photogram. This yeah, is with dust the surrounding normal, the adult. With the normal emulsion, you don't see anything. It just right. looks like the northern lights as we see it in our current reality. And then he says he's got this special emulsion that... that reacts special you know in a special way with this dust that makes it look like light it, or something along it those becomes, lines. yeah it, it reacts with the light to make it look like dust right okay well it is dust well it's or i'm sorry dust. that emulsion layer mm -hmm. demonstrates dust. dust yes uh and he, and there's and it's this wretched horrific substance that nobody is willing that it's heretical to consider the existence of mm -hmm. we don't really know what this means yet so it's pretty weird so i'm thinking we're just saying dust um I, and so we live in a parallel world where there's no such thing as dust. Uh, so we don't know what that is. It's pretty fun yeah. because it's so weird and mm -hmm. unique and kind of creative that where are we going to go with this? Yeah. The dust is attracted to the adult in the image and it ignores the child. In the yes. Image. And that's the big thing. Mm -hmm. He changes the layer again. He says, here's the northern lights. Here's what you see here. And he says, but if we change the emulsion layer, you get a city in the sky Uh and, and this is proof, uh, somehow the dust is related to this, that through the dust we see that there are a myriad of other worlds that are not under the Magisterium's control. And that's the part where it's, we got to get out of here. We cannot accept the idea that there is any form of existence that is not under the Magisterium's control. Absolutely. Yeah, so then we get two guys who are from the magisterium which i did not catch their names um you know i have seen the whole what that what is out there of the series um so i will say they do they do become important um and this conversation is weighty so i feel like it does show you that despite me not picking up their names whatever they are isn't it the master and charles the librarian uh you're thinking of a different conversation you got it i am go ahead um so, I mean, and they do have a conversation, too, because they do confirm that, yes, in fact, he was trying, that the master was trying to murder, poison um, Azrael, but, um, and I, I still feel unclear on that part. It doesn't make sense to me that he would do that when he, you know, the next piece that he says, you know, is what we know of the prophecy, um, which includes Lyra, um, you know, and she will, there will be a betrayal. She needs to leave here. There will be a betrayal, but it's not you know it's not him that's betraying her she's going to be the one who's betraying and the consequences will be terrible or the experience will be terrible something like that there, there's a device or something called the alethiometer alethiometer uh, the alethiometer uh which shows that lyra must go north and that she will betray her uncle and uh that everybody ought to be afraid of her yeah, absolutely. So she's the, and I forgot that in the beginning uh, portion that is the prologue mm -hmm. that they mentioned. Oh, was that in the prologue or was that in? Yeah, yeah, it was the witches of the north mm -hmm. who whisper, whisper of a prophecy. Yes, a child prophecy. Yes. So this is kind of that prophecy referenced again um, when the librarian and the master are talking about it. Um, and they kind of say, you know, hey, she's got to go on a journey and we have to let her. That's going to be the best thing that we can do for her. Mm -hmm. So they they kind of seem like they're on her side as far as we can tell. Um, why they'd want to poison the uncle then uh, kind of raises questions. He seems like a cold guy. Maybe there's something weird with him. I don't know. Well, um, the librarian, I think, demonstrates in no uncertain terms that his care for Lyra is uh, deep and true and genuine. And he says, we got to just leave her here and protect her. Mm -hmm. we just please keep her here and protect her. Yeah. And that reinforces that he seems to be the most paternal toward her of anybody. Yeah. Uh, and the master in that initial conversation that him, him and the librarian have together, 
after the attempted murder of Uncle Azriel, uh, which librarian says, yeah, Super wasn't uh, happy with the idea we were going to murder the guy. And he was yeah. saying, well, like, who's excited about murdering somebody? But yeah. you kind of got to do what you kind of got to do. And this yeah. is pretty extreme circumstances here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's hard to tell where he sits on, at this point. As it carries on, the you know, there's a scene later, and I don't mean to jump ahead, but I mm-hmm. think we could stay on track. I think this is a fine time to say it. So that thread between the librarian and the master continues when mm-hmm. they go to Lyra to yeah. give her the golden compass, which will give her the truth. I felt like that was the alethiometer. Yes, that was when they were talking about the alethiometer. But is that, is the golden compass the alethiometer? Yes, those okay. are the same thing, definitely. Okay, I had a feeling. All right. Yes, so. Very good. I, I understand why they did mm-hmm. not title the book the alethiometer. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, call it magical doodad. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, no. Dude, Adam and Jig. <laughs> the Golden Compass is definitely a better one for sure. Totally. Um, I somehow it had, I don't know. The first time I watched through it, I really had a hard time with them just constantly referencing this alithiometer. It felt so undefined. Um, I don't know. I yeah. felt like they name dropped it a lot before we saw it, but this time it didn't bother me so much. Like it felt like we saw it when we needed to. I, I guess it. it was less foreign to me. Yeah, I only caught it the once actually, hmm. um, and I didn't really. I don't recall the prophecy connection the first time. Mm. So, but I wanted to mention that scene between yeah. those two. And later when they go to her, mm-hmm. uh, there's a little bit more buildup that, that we need to introduce a couple more characters for this part to make sense. So we'll get there. But they sit down with her to say, it is probably smart that you go north. Yeah. Here's the golden compass. It will guide your way. Um, and they're really cool, I thought, here. And this demonstrated to me that the master is a good actor in a tough situation and that uh, McAvoy's character is a complicating factor and that he's probably also a good man of integrity uh, who wants the truth but is really putting everything at risk. Um, the Astriel is? Uh, Astriel, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that he's, he's a high-risk personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I wanted to hit on though was the way librarian and master uh, are very they pra- they show a lot of wisdom I think to her in mm-hmm. this scene and he says to her something I liked a lot which was keep your own counsel mm-hmm. trust no one yeah uh, which Azrael said to her earlier I trust nobody absolutely mm-hmm. and uh, I've done the best that I could to take care of you here mm-hmm. there is something that's gonna call you out. Uh, and you and you kind of need to do that, and and that leads to keep your own counsel, which is what ends yeah. that scene. So it's uh, there are layers here. There's mm-hmm. deception. I don't feel like these two are being deceptive at this moment. Yeah. Uh, but they are political actors. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which you probably have to be. Yeah. The magisterium. That makes uh, sense. So anyway, I just wanted to bookend that part of that relationship with, with those two guys and whether or not they actually have her best interests, and and it seems that they do. Yeah, absolutely. So we had already mentioned James McAvoy's character leaving. She's mm-hmm. pretty heartbroken about it. Yeah. Um, we see a couple villainous characters. So McAvoy, when he leaves, he did get his grant to go do this mm-hmm. study. He then did. we see the church. And there's two guys, Father, and I did not catch the name of the other guy. The other guy seems to be the muscle. And yeah. Father is the one with the actual, he's a priest-like character. He's mm-hmm. a religious uh, official yeah. or whatever you would call that he's in the priesthood sure and from here he says oh they he declared scholastic sanctuary and they're talking about McAvoy's character and he and the father's saying surely uh they ran him off as a heretic and he said no he actually left with a tremendous amount of money to go continue his research that he's not supposed to do yeah so obviously they know that dust is real obviously no they know that there's a myriad of other worlds that they don't have control over and and the church is about to be exposed potentially yeah absolutely that leads into a comment that they make about her some woman and then we get mrs coulter right after that who's a mysterious sort of character who shows up absolutely jordan college is it just me or does she have like she's gorgeous i will lead with that she is very pretty to me she just has too many teeth they're not bad they're not crooked they're just too many of them um there was something uh, weird about her mouth i don't uh, know you know I don't, I'm not personally <laughs> super into her. I, I, I don't want you to feel bad. As a young man, I felt too comfortable criticizing 
a woman's appearance mm-hmm. uh, and was just a flippant young man and didn't realize why that was a problem. So I don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's yeah. fair. But I see. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, she had a she had a look, and I was just. I, I, I actually am really drawn to it, so I don't see it as like an ugly thing. It's kind of like a bump in someone's nose. It's kind of like the ad's character thing. I'm kind of turned on by that. The bump in the nose? I've always kind of been into a girl with a big nose. Interesting. Because the part that she's probably the most insecure about is she has to wear it in the middle of her face. <laughs> and I always like, kind of dug it. I don't know why. Just, <laughs> I, there's so many examples of times that I was attracted to girls with big noses. Yeah. See, that's that all that to say she's gorgeous. I'm not like saying, hey, she's got weird. It was just like, oh, it was it's something I really notice about her. She has a character smile, a character smile. Yes. More teeth than I'm used to. I think the her smile Mm -hmm. uh, lends her to make a good um, because we don't know if she's a villain or not. Mm -hmm. I think she is. I think Mm -hmm. she's associated with the with the priesthood and that she's a bad actor. We'll see. Uh, and I think that her unconventional, unconventionally attractive smile mm-hmm. uh, lends to a sense of villainy. Yeah, it's it seems un- intentionally unnerving. <laughs> no, am I wrong? Like, <laughs> no, you're right. When she smiles, I don't feel like oh look, it just war- it warms up room. It's you definitely wonder about her motivations. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think they're devious. Yeah. So she's talking to Lyra. She connects with Lyra immediately. Says something about, I'm surprised your uncle doesn't talk to you more. <gasps> You're an explorer too? <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess you could call me that. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Um, who knows? Bum, bum, bum. Dramatic beaver. Yeah. And she has a, a reason to, to take her to the north with her, which I think I misunderstood why she's targeting her to take her to the north with her. All to be learned soon. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, yeah. I don't know that I understand the rationale she provided to oh, Lyra. She just said that somebody at their college had specified that she might be um, of particular interest for what, she, you know, the type of work she was conducting so that she would be a, an, you know, a good recruit. Gotcha. So, you know, then she offers the role of her assistant and, you know, Miss Coulter is kind of, I feel like she's not clear about what she does because she says um, that she, she kind of jokingly says she's a scholar and then she says she's not a scholar and she says, well, she's not really a, an explorer either. Um, you know, what she kind of finally settled on was that she was a member of St. Sophia's College, which I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that means as far as what she does. I mean, she's in the Illuminati. Sure. Well, I mean, like, that's more or less how I'm reading that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, and did you see her? I'm going to call it an orangutan, but I have no idea what kind yeah. of monster that is. That thing looked just evil. I yeah. think that's what really made me feel like there was something not right about her. Also, have you noticed that all of the other demons talk, but that one didn't at all? Good point. It was weird. I don't know. It was, I just noticed it in this walk, you know, this watch through. Uh, we should mention mm-hmm. that Azriel's demon is a snow leopard. W- snow leopard, gorgeous, big time, mm-hmm. babe. Yeah, you thought Nala. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, this gives Nala. This puts Nala to shame. Check out the spots on this cat. The- <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. Um, that's that was really good. <laughs> Thanks. We put that in the show notes or something somewhere. <laughs> Thanks. Check out the spots on this cat. Uh, and uh, the kids uh, thing hasn't settled yet. So before we proceed and get to the ending, uh, we need to pull in the B story. B- that's exactly yeah. what I was gonna call it. Yeah. So we've got Tony is who we come in on, and he's having his. Um, it's kind of like a Bar coming mitzvah. of, yeah, I was going to say a coming of age ceremony. So, um, but this, you know, is very specific to their world and, um, it, it has to do with the demon settling on an animal. So before we were talking about, um, Pan and, uh, what is it? Cecilia. Cecilia. <laughs> yeah. Cecilia, um, Roger's demon that they were transforming into different creatures like you know they'd be flying and then they're you know running and then 
you know, whatever. Um, they settle on an animal, and that kind of marks the adulthood for the human that the demon is bonded with. Um, and so this is the ceremony that we're coming in on. Um, his, uh, his being Tony. Tony's demon settled on a hawk. And so then they kind of have the ceremony of, you know, bonding, and they decide that they're, you know, they make like a... It almost seems like a marriage in a sense because it's like a vow to continue together on this path and to protect each other. You know, I thought it would have been hilarious because I don't know how you how you're positive that mm-hmm. it's settled, or maybe the transformation slowing down is <laughs> if you mistimed it. <laughs> <laughs> the last minute it transforms into like a little like sugar flyer or whatever they call a little beady eyed <laughs> rodent. Yeah, thing. I thought that'd be funny kind of thing that a hawk would eat <laughs> like oh sorry Aww. everybody go home that was false <laughs> alarm false alarm too soon yeah well and they you know in an earlier scene maybe earlier i don't know with the timing between the a and the b um but in a scene between lyra and roger um they're talking about what do you think you know pan uh which is lyra's demon what do you think pan will settle on and so they're talking about you know the different things that they think they're demons will settle on and they don't really talk about what dictates that or what might influence that so that is something i wonder if they'll get into more with like the lore around it or if that's something where if you didn't read the book you missed it or you know it just never explained period yeah Yeah. and she says in the early on when they're having that conversation what do you think pan will settle on she says something like uh lemur something kind of non-threatening yeah he said i thought and roger says i thought you said you wanted something cunning like um a fox. Yeah. Or See, a, I thought that that was Pan saying that, but maybe I was wrong. Oh, I might not have realized that yeah. the animals were talking at that point. Yeah, that was... Okay, so I will say that that was the first time I watched through it. That was weird for me, that they were... The animals were talking. Um, it took me a long time to catch that that's what was happening. Yeah. I don't remember at what point it took me to be like, oh... That's the animals talking, not something else going on. I yeah. think it was even at the ceremony that we're talking about that I was like, oh, did that hawk just speak? Oh, yeah. No, it's agreeing too. Okay. Actually, the hawk probably should have had a speech. <laughs> do you think? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Do it's you like, have it's a funny speech how at weddings? They both said I do. It's only Tony's day. And the hawk's like, I'm the one who just matured. Like, Tony, Tony was 13 years old yesterday. And today, he's 13 and a half. So, Tony's brother... Billy gets a little little uh, fussy yeah. and, and runs off. And mom says, look, Tony, Billy uh, looks up to you as his big brother. Mm-hmm. And you became a man today and he still wants to know you're his big brother. Yeah. And Tony's a fussy teenager about it. And he says, then <laughs> he goes to chase after Billy. And Billy um, is, there's a fox, a CGI demon fox. Poking his head in, poking his head in, and then somebody snatches Billy. Well, yeah. So um, Billy's demon, which is his name is Ratter. He kind of looks like a little, a weird little squirrel. Kind of was like wandering off and trying to check out something, the rustling. And Billy had said like, hey, get back here. Like, hey, what are you doing? Come back here. Um, And you don't learn the tie between them yet. So I want to spoil something, but the demon is partly why. Their link is why the demon being discovered was a problem. Like him just wandering off put Billy at risk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I'll be curious. I don't. That's. Now you got to watch. Now. Yeah. Crimes just got to. That confuses me. Answers no questions. That's the hook. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly wasn't a spoiler. Um, (laughs) Something to look out for, I guess. Whatever that means. So uh, now. They mentioned the Egyptians later. This is Lyra and Roger. Mm-hmm. I ask you, what are Egyptians? We agreed that it's like this fantasy world's gypsy, which now I'm thinking that this is interesting because we're seeing a mm, class distinction. Mm-hmm. Yes. Here's the scholastic uh, elites, mm-hmm. and here are the common folk. Yes. The poor ass cave dwelling Egyptians. Mm hmm. The Egyptians mention as they're uh, working up their um, their rescue plan for Billy. You get a couple of leaders here of the group, but yeah, Fardar Coram's one and He's, John Fa. John Fa, okay, and uh, that's as much as I have to say about him at this point. Yeah. Obviously, 
they will lead the Egyptians for the most part and become uh, primary characters. I'm guessing really the ones to look out for are going to be Tony and Billy because it's a kid show. Yeah. It's a show about kids. They do say that it's been 16 kids that are missing and right. that it's, you know, they, they're they pretty sure that it's the gobbler. Like, they're not even pretty sure. They're certain it's the gobblers. Quit wasting your time looking here. He's not lost. He's been kidnapped. And yeah. they're certain of it. They are going to go to London and they're going to find him. And, you know, this is kind of where the B story meets the A story because that is also where Lyra is going. Um, so uh, Lyra, as she's in the airship, you know, looks down and notes that the Egyptians are going by boat to London um, at the same time. Caravanning by boat as (laughs) the elites take off in their airship. Uh, And the thing that motivates Lyra to actually go with Mrs. Coulter is that uh, Roger is the 17th child to go missing after the fox rears its head yet again. After the fox rears its head yet again. Okay. Okay. Um, so she runs off, thinks, okay, well, the only way to really get Roger back this after Mrs. Coulter promises she'll get Roger back is to go with Mrs. Coulter. Yeah. And that's what ends her up on the aircraft uh, and take off. Now, I want to make a connection that mm-hmm. is clearly being uh, delivered to us here that is that you could easily get overwhelmed with. Um, All, because it's new. Yeah. yeah, right, right. You could easily get overwhelmed with mythology oh, here okay. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and miss it and think, okay, I, I got to keep track of the gobblers. There's mm-hmm. a prophecy. There's a golden compass that there are uh, a lot tells of the future. So I, I think it seems pretty clear that the gobblers are the witches of the north, oh. uh, whispering of the prophecy hmm. that are kidnapping the kids because they know that they're or believe or ge- have generated this prophecy about a child. Uh, so they're, for whatever reason, culling the children. Uh, the gobblers seem to be sort of mm, truthers that uh, know that the magisterium is a corrupt. I'm making a bunch of assumptions here, so you know. Oh yeah, in. bunch of assumptions. Yeah. You're basically writing your own book. Oh really? <laughs> um, so what, <laughs> these are the pieces that I'm seeing. That the gobblers uh-huh. to me seem to be the witches. That that's why they're taking the kids because there's a prophecy. I would only play with the parts of the story that were given. Okay. No, I'm just okay. Yeah, that's I fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> then, then let me tell you. Because you're making some reaches that I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm like, man, you're kind of just making shit up okay. right now. <laughs> then let's clarify that yeah. these are the elements that I'm seeing right yeah. now that I'm interested sure. in. Sure. Well, that's your guess as to what's going to happen. That's the plot. Yeah. Hold up. Let's do the characters first. <laughs> so, uh, so we got everybody, and we and we get where they're going, right? Yeah. So, uh, what is your score for the characters? They get a pass from me. I get they get a strong pass from me. I think uh, I think the kids are great actors, which is like dangerous to cast kids in anything. Yeah, it really is. I think the world is fascinating. I think the political structure is really interesting, and I want to see a bunch more of it. I really appreciated that they made Lyra, and it it was weird for me at first, but they made her like an actual kid. They didn't make her like this dolled up child. Like she is a kid that I might have gone to school with. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I thought that was notable. Yeah. That it made it really a ground, like kind of grounded as a kids show, even though it's a, a fantasy. It felt somehow like, I don't know, it, it took me out of it less. I she's, feel like it would have been way too fantastical if she had been like Selena Gomez when she was younger. You yeah, know? no, she's just a, she's a, you're right. That's a good point uh, that, that it's like a kind of affectionately cast with mm-hmm. kids who don't feel like Hollywood starlet kids. Exactly. Yeah, she's just, she looks like a, a tomboy who's like gross and dirty all the time and, yeah, very and get herself in trouble and greasy haired uh and just that kind of kid yeah but smart and fun and, and uh you know well liked by adults because she's uh rambunctious and because she's because she's like um you got to carry a conversation with her all right so plot this is what i'm excited about because okay. i'm seeing these elements and this yeah. is what i'm feeling like is coming yeah so we have layers of um, intrigue. There's a very complex story here. There's a complex hierarchical social and political structure. Yeah. Uh, I think the gobblers are the witches of the north who I think we're going to find are maybe less magical than they are because everybody says that they're just a myth. They don't exist. Mm-hmm. They don't exist. And then Farhad Nunzio or whatever his name is, Fardar Koram says, enough of the bullshit. They're real. We know they're real. They took the kids. 
uh, or however that went. Hmm. Something similar to that. Okay. So I'm thinking that's who that is. Um, and I've already explained my thought that I think this has to do with the prophecy, which is why they're culling the children. Yeah. And you're saying, and <laughs> that's not true at all. But, but uh, uh, I mean, it's an interesting interpretation <laughs> of the events as they have been presented to us. <laughs> and, of course, we got a buddy, Azriel. But here's the thing, though. I don't think you would have done anything with the witches if they hadn't given us that in the... Like, I think you're latching on to the words witches and gobbler. Maybe that's just me, but I feel like you're making a tie between those two. I am. Yeah, I Because am. of the, the etymology of it, though, not because of the... Because they haven't given us anything about the witches oh, yeah, other than the mention. Okay. Just the prologue mentions the witches. Then yeah. These guys are all set on the gobblers who whisper of a prophecy. Mm-hmm. I didn't make those connections before, and now I'm realizing, okay, we got gobblers, we got witches. We don't have any actual mention of the witches in the plot here. Mm-hmm. The, the guy who carries off Billy seems like a human dude. So yeah. it's like he doesn't seem like a, a scary monster thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there are... You have the, the Egyptians, you have the elites, those are the ones we've seen so far, and then you have this thing called this entity of the gobblers. Yeah. And what I'm taking from it is the the uh, unruly north that the magisterium doesn't have any control of because it's too wild is what mm-hmm. I take from it. That's that, that's, you know, who's the king behind the, beyond the wall? Yeah. So how I interpreted it, and I, it's hard definitely to remove myself from having watched the whole series, but... Um, I do recall kind of my sense of it, um, you know, the first time that I watched it, which is that the gobblers to me seemed kind of, uh, I mean, okay, so they're in London. I kind of pictured like Horace and Jasper instead of kidnapping, you know, Dalmatians, they're kidnapping <laughs> children for some <laughs> other, you know what I mean? So I definitely see them as like people and not like magical people. Um, you know, maybe scientists or people who are going to try to make coats out of them. But like, I feel like that there is a um, malicious or, you know, a bad, <laughs> they're doing something bad with the children. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, it, I don't think we've seen anything to indicate that it's a magical thing just yet um, or that it's a, a witch thing per se. So I'm going to go ahead and say I agree with. Well, I don't, mm, I don't think they're going to be magical. I think they're oh, just okay. going to be outlaws. Okay. Outlaws that there is some prophecy that they know about and that they're not allowed to talk about because the magisterium won't allow it because it will expose the corruption of the magisterium. Okay. Well, Fair enough. All right. Yeah, I think that's a, that's an interesting way to go with it. And I think, uh, yeah, I think it's worth watching for you to find out how it goes. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. When I finish True Blood. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, you've got some HBO shows lined up for you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> which way am I leaning? Keep or cancel? Keep or cancel? HBO Max. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's what I'm picking up on. Yeah. The, the seeds that they've scattered related to the plot. Mm-hmm. And I'm super excited about it. I want to know more about this world. So, um, Moreover, I want to know what happens next. Next, yeah. So I'm excited also. <laughs> um. No, it's the pieces that you're interested in, like what the gobblers are and what what is actually going on there was definitely a big part of the, you know, the draw. It's very enticing plot. Um, The other piece that I thought was really interesting was, of course, the dust and the multiple worlds and how just discovering the world. It kind of reminds it like it pulls me back to the Harry Potter piece of it again, which is that this is. While there are thi- you know, while it exists in, you know, seemingly in parallel with our own world, it's so different and it's immersive and there's something you're going to find beyond each corner, you know, around each corner that's, you know, you're just going to learn more and more about this world and it seems very well fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm really interested to see the multiple worlds, um, you know, definitely want to hunt down Billy because that's obviously, you know, finding Billy and... Um, Oh, and what's his name? Not Bruce. Roger. Roger, thank you. Which will lead to the next thing, of mm-hmm. course, right? Yeah. So the next thing to do is get the scoop on these kids. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I, I I found it very compelling. It They gave us a lot to chew on. Um, I mean, like if one plot wasn't enough, there were plenty of things that they kind of lay out for you uh, for the series to come. And I think they're all pretty interesting. So if you didn't like one specific one, pick a different one. I'm sure it's great. I didn't like that one either. No, they're all good. You could tell that this used to be a book. 
<laughs> I could, yeah, I could. But yeah. but not in the way that most other things do, which is I did not feel alienated from what I was mm. watching because I hadn't seen the source material or read it. Shadow and Bone, I, damn I you. was just about to say that. Shadow and Bone. Savage. It was terrible. It was very, yeah. It, it was very alienating. It was very alienating. So I think we've spoiled the ending. Um, are you hooked? I am very hooked. Absolutely. It's a magical, beautiful, fleshed out world. I added fleshed out after you said it. You nailed it. Full of mystery and deception with compelling characters. And as if that weren't enough, uh, but that's enough. You know, it's like, it's all the things that on every level it's firing. So the very last scene, the very last, it's not even a scene. It's just a shot. It's a moment is, um, Roger locked in the back of something. Oh, yeah. And my take is, I'm making assumptions here Uh because they've laid out the mystery so well that I want to get ahead of it. Yeah. My hunch is that they, um, the fox is obviously somebody's demon. Mm Mm-hmm. And they have uh, chosen Roger as the 17th victim. Yeah. When all the other victims were Egyptian kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, this doesn't really seem to be a target. Uh, they target Roger to, um, what's the word? Lure Lyra. Oh, I like that. Away mm-hmm. from the school. And to actually choose to go north with uh, Mrs. Coulter. Now, that's interesting, but the whole thing's been interesting. So that's the least of it. I forgot that Roger got kidnapped from the first time I saw this. Right, yeah. Like, not even interested. Um, I mean, fine with it. Like, it's it's interesting, but, like, it, it's the least of it. It's the whole world that they're presenting to us, the dust. It's so weird, and it's so creative and unique. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to see how that all comes together. Yeah. Yeah, it continues to be just wonderful. Which is funny because I watched this the first time and was totally hooked and never continued with it. It's really weird. I think I started again because I was maybe given it half attention. And yeah. Thought, oh, let's go. I give it half attention again. You were not giving fiction much of a chance last year. Uh, you were kind of immersed in the real world, sadly. Mm. Uh, which is like the time you should have gone into hiding and, you know, whatever. But well, we won't go there. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I think I think we were already on to season two by that point, weren't we? Because uh, through 2020, I was, things were, everything was just too heavy. So you'd watch the news all day and then everything else was was too heavy and I just wanted to go hang out with my friends on the Enterprise. Oh, yeah, see, this is, I want, I definitely binged this during quarantine. Season Um, two also? Oh, yeah, all of it. That that means season two is already out. So season one was before that, because season one came out right after Game of Thrones. No, no, I just mean to say that it came out at a different point in history um, when uh, I would have been interested in fiction. And then in 2020, season two is out, and I I just hadn't, I hadn't caught back up to it yet. Okay. I still won't, because we're doing True Blood right now. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it looks like uh, the second series because it's a it's a British show, so it's a series. Apparently, it was a British show. Yeah, because it was originally made for BBC. Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> BBC One and HBO is where it is. Oh, but HBO put some money up for it. Yeah. Um, so they call them series instead of seasons. So mm-hmm. it has two series out. Um, the first one was in 2019 and the second one was in 2020. So yeah, the second season must have just dropped right as I was watching. Right. So yeah, I didn't have to wait for anything. That was nice. I'm guessing that it's one series slash season per book. So I would guess that it would Ooh. stop at the third. Um, but don't quote me on that. Um, so for me, the hook was, I mean, you had said it before, but I'm going to just, you know, say it again. It's gorgeous. It's a very beautiful series. Like subject matter aside, it is, it's pretty to look at. It's, um, you know, the CGI isn't total crap. Uh, it's come a long way for TV, like children's, you know, young adult shows. So that was pretty cool. Um, you know, and I had said before, I love Harry Potter. I love fantasy. Um, this has a very enticing mystery. So, you know, um, yeah, I, I'm ready to show me Hogwarts all over again. Show me. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it was a pass for me. Totally. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, still, every time I see this, this two or three times I have, I think this is, like, super good. 
Yeah, uh, right. Let's uh, hit our quotes and notes. Yeah, notes and quotes. Notes and quotes. And then take off. What yeah. Do you, what do you have? Um. Oh, something that creeped me out. Okay, so the magistrate guys. Nope, magisterium. Mm-hmm. The two guys that you said his name was Father and then some other guy. Yeah. Um, it was creepy because after they had realized that Azrael was going to go off on his expedition and that Jordan College had funded this expedition, um, they said, discover all you can by any means possible. This level of heresy, and I'm paraphrasing, this level of heresy is the highest priority of the magisterium. So there are big consequences coming, and I thought that that was, I don't know. It was From very weighty. Very powerful body. We, we only see these people long enough to hear that they're issuing this order. Like, that's the little thing that we get from them. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's not good. The one scene that says, uh, we're the boss level bad guys. Oh, fuck. Like, we're the, the bad, bad guys. I'm the henchman, and this is Spike. Yeah. I mean, there are other bad guys, but they're not dressed as nice. So they, these are <laughs> they're not well-funded bad guys. At the top. <laughs> yeah. And those bad guys are funded by these guys. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, the one line that I have on my notes and quotes card mm. is comes from the scene when uh, Azriel, Uncle Uncle Az, is taken <laughs> off into the sky aboard his mm. airplane, his yeah. uh, air ship, and uh, he just got done being kind of cold and uh, blunt yeah. with Lyra, and Roger says. She's better than you think she is. She's special. Oh, and he yeah. shouts back over the noise of the airship. Everybody's special. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know what that means yet. Um, I was intrigued by it. I yeah. mean, it was just a line that I felt like there's theme in there or there's hmm. uh, there's more to that. That tells you something about his character. That uh, she's not more special than anybody else to him. Yeah. But he doesn't dismiss it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he says she's special. He doesn't disagree. He just says it's it's not Everyone's unique special, that yeah. she's special. Yeah. And I, then we're back to his sense of, I got bigger fish to fry right now, yeah. kids. You guys, you guys honestly don't understand. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It's loaded. That felt like a loaded uh, couple lines of dialogue that yeah. I thought were really just well acted and really striking good call out yeah i had forgotten that and that was a really it was yeah the it really spoke to how cold he was like how cold he is um you know where how serious he is i it's Both, hard to tell yeah because I mean, he cares about her i think it's pretty clear that he cares about her yeah he did give like a look like in all of that as she's walking off he kind of gave like an extra take before he you know closes up the airship and he yeah. definitely looked like you know not sad but like like, he almost wish he could have done more for her. But, like, that's just, you know, your time being so finite, this is just not uh, worthy of his attention right now. Because, yeah. not because she sucks, not because she's not special, because he's got something way more pressing. That affects the whole world. That affects all the worlds. Yeah, absolutely. That they could get out of this religious oppression. Yeah, you think she's special. Wait till you see what I got cooking, kiddo. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Um, so season three, do we have an idea when that's coming out? Um, I do not know. No. Um, let me see if the internet has anything about it. Well, thank you for tuning into our review of His Dark Materials and being with us to judge HBO Max, the app, in our continuing saga, HBO Max Showdown, bum, to bum, keep bum. or cancel HBO Max. Let us be your guides. Uh, we are qualified to criticize streaming services, but we are not qualified to criticize literature because we don't read books. You don't read books. I read books. All right. I've never seen it. <laughs> never in my life have I seen it. I've known you a long time. Never seen it. Well, I don't read while we're hanging out. That'd be rude. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> and readers are rude. So, hmm, what's that tell you? Never seen you read a book. I have seen you fall down while you were wow. standing straight. And... Uh, You've really uh, never seen me read, though. No. Yeah. Well, and my other jobs, I read a lot. I wasn't even convinced yeah. you could do it till a couple of seconds ago when I saw you <laughs> on the computer. You're the worst. <laughs> 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 I stayed up late in in school. Uh, stayed up really late, like oh, right. till three in the morning, like reading Harry Potter because I could not put it down. 
my mom would be up and I swear she just saw my light on or something but she'd be like what were you moving furniture it was like turning a page and not like super fast I really liked but like I loved books I didn't want to tear my beautiful amazing Harry Potter like I wasn't doing anything crazy just staying up till three in the morning on a school night reading that's I remember that one because I remember the you could swear I was moving furniture yeah oh absolutely (laughs) it's ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) anyway do we know what we're doing next week yeah our final one in the hbo max showdown westworld that's amazeballs i've watched part of season one Um, only part of season one but jesse pinkman's in the most recent season (gasps) wow spoilers much jesse pinkman (laughs) the guy who plays jesse so i guess he makes it through breaking bad huh (laughs) i guess he survives (laughs) Well, that's next week. <laughs> Till then, I'm Riker. And I'm Shree. And this is Pilots. <laughs> <laughs>